0: It makes my day when people say, you know, I showed these videos to your, to my parents and now they're like a little bit suspect of Sean Hannity or Tucker Carlson. And that, that makes my day because that's the goal is to bring this information because I think it's important. It's the most watched cable news channel in the country. Uh, and, you know, the feedback is overwhelmingly positive. I get a lot of great comments. I get a lot of great discussion and my replies. Um because of algorithms, y'all don't see the hate as much. It's still a tiny percentage of what I get. But, you know, it's very aggressive because they're right-wingers. It shows me I'm doing something right. Um, but some days, like, you know, they'll send a ton of rape threats to my DMs or whatever. And it's just like, you'll get a life.
1: Hello, everyone, and welcome to episode seven of the Aaron Rupar Show. I'm really pleased today to be joined by Kat Abugazele. You probably know her on Twitter as Kat Abu. Kat has been watching Tucker Carlson night after night for more than two years now for Media Matters, where she works as a researcher. But in recent months, she's really blown up as a TikTok star. Uh, She does videos summarizing five absurd Fox News stories that people may have missed week in and week out. And more recently, she has branched out to doing more PSA style content, to doing political commentary, Her videos regularly do hundreds of thousands of views, and it's led to her Twitter account blowing up as well. So we began our conversation by talking about the big Fox News news of the day, which was Tucker Carlson's surreal interview last night with Donald Trump, Uh, the same Tucker Carlson who just two years ago was texting his colleagues and talking about how much he hated Trump, was kissing Trump's ass last night um, and doing live hits from outside of Mar-a-Lago, where it appeared that... hurricane of some sort was going on so the whole thing was very surreal and we began by talking about that but then we talk about what it was like becoming a tiktok video star um, how cat switched from being a childhood staunch republican to being a liberal who lives in dc and is known as the liberal tucker carlson watcher for media matters Uh, we talk about which fox news hosts she has a hard time watching Um, how she produces her videos, and a whole lot more. So before we get to that conversation, just a reminder that um, you can watch the footage, if you're not doing that right now, of this on YouTube, on my YouTube page. Or if you are more of an audio podcast person, I ask that you please subscribe to The Aaron Rupar Show wherever you get your podcasts. And please spread the word about the show by sharing episodes um, on social media platforms and leaving positive reviews where you can. Next week, I am talking with Dan Frumkin of Press Watchers. We'll talk about coverage of the early stages of the 2024 campaign, uh, things that Dan thinks are going well, and maybe things that aren't going so well. So I think that'll be a good conversation about media as well. Uh, But without further ado, let's get to my conversation today with Kat. Welcome, everyone, to the Aaron Rupar Show. I'm thrilled today to have Kat Abu Ghazale on the show, also known on Twitter as Kat Abu. Uh, I talked with Kat for public notice in a Q&A. Actually, Thor Benson did. Um, I ended up kind of writing the top of that. But we talked with her back in January about her day job slash night job, uh, as it turns out, which is watching Tucker Carlson and Fox News, doing research on Tucker Carlson and Fox News for media matters. And in the three months since then, Kat has really blown up uh, doing weekly recaps of Fox News stories you may have missed on TikTok that are insightful and humorous. And so um, I want to get into, you know, what it's like to be a TikTok slash Twitter sensation. But I feel like we should begin, Kat, with the news of the day, which was uh, the Tuesday night edition of Tucker Carlson, which featured an interview with Donald Trump. Um, And I think it's the first time maybe you actually would know this uh, when the last time Trump was on Tucker was. I feel like it's been a very long time.
0: He has never been on Tucker since I started there in 2020 at Media Matters. Um, And just a correction, Tucker wasn't just interviewing Trump. He was interviewing a demonic force whom he hates passionately. Um, (laughs) And it really came (laughs) off as that.
1: That was what I wanted to get into, because the thing that I could not get out of my my mind watching this interview are the Tucker Carlson text messages from the Dominion lawsuit, you know, which were uh, unsealed slash, you know, kind of released publicly as a result of the proceedings there. And I believe it was just last month that we read these. And these are texts that Tucker sent to his producers, to other Fox News staffers um, in the months and weeks leading up to January 6th. And in one of them, he wrote, quote, "Uh, we are very, very close to being able to ignore Trump most nights. I truly can't wait. And then he wrote in another one. I hate him passionately. And then when you juxtapose that with this interview last night, where this is a direct quote from one of the little asides that he did in between segments trying to gas up Trump, he said, quote, for a man who is caricatured as an extremist, we think you will find what he has to say, moderate, sensible and wise. And so the thing that really jumped out to me was that it almost seemed like Tucker was kind of trolling um, people who like you and I are aware of his text messages. I'm assuming that many of his viewers are not because they're not paying attention to the Dominion lawsuit. They're not reading New York Times, uh, Media Matters for that, you know, for that matter, um, other places that have covered these text messages. But was that your sense as well? I, you know, I kind of got this weird sense. It was so surreal the way in between segments that he was talking about Trump um, when he clearly doesn't really feel that way about him. I mean, we know that from his private correspondence. It, it did kind of seem like a troll job to me.
0: I mean, I think... He would love if we thought it was a troll job. Um, I think that he would much rather not have done this interview at all. Um, I mean, it was humiliating. At one time, uh, Trump credited Tucker with the Russia, Russia, Russia catchphrase, which Sean Hannity says. And you could just like see the light fading from his eyes. So I think he'd love it if everyone thought he was like being so smart and three steps ahead. Um, I think it was penance. And we still have more to go tonight.
1: That's right, um, but typically when they do a second night of these interviews, I mean usually the good stuff is night one. There might be little bits here and there, although I guess it's all kind of relative because the other thing that really struck me is that Tucker was basically doing the Hannity method of interviewing Trump, which is um tossing out a softball and letting Trump rant for about five to ten minutes in response. I mean there was really no even you know kind of like boilerplate attempt to push back or to generate news with the interview. Um, Yeah, I mean, so do you have any thoughts on kind of the approach that he took? To me, it very much reminded me of the Hannity approach, which um, just to back up a step, um, back when I was at Think Progress in 2016, my boss at the time, Judd Legum, wrote a post that has aged extremely well, which I think is still available on the internet, about Hannity's technique of interviewing Trump, which he did repeatedly during the 2016 campaign, and how he never generated news during these interviews because there was no attempt to Um, And that really struck me as kind of the same thing that Tucker was up to last night.
0: Yeah. I mean, it almost felt like even softer than a Hannity interview. (laughs)
1: Um,
0: It was, I mean, Tucker barely said anything for like the first 10 minutes. He said, what did they do with the dogs or something? And they were talking about dogs in Afghanistan. And then Trump just kept going. Um, You know, Tucker loves to be the center of attention. There's nothing he hates more than not being the main character. And, they gave his entire hour to Trump and he barely said anything. He didn't even get to do like his silly voice or his aggressive laugh. Um, so, yeah, I mean, it was like Hannity, but more defeated.
1: The other thing that was really funny that comes to mind as you mentioned this is that they were doing the segments in in between the interview live on location in Palm Beach. And there was like a hurricane. I mean, it wasn't quite a hurricane, but there was some sort of like severe storm happening behind Tucker. So his hair is blowing around. He even commented a couple times. um, He had some quip about how he's a weatherman now or something like that. Um, So it just, yeah, it seemed like the whole experience was um, kind of aimed at torturing him from having to do this puffy interview with Trump to having to be out in, you know, kind of borderline extreme weather in Florida doing this show live. Um, It was really um, quite fascinating to watch, um, at least for people like you and I who are really immersed in this stuff.
0: Yeah. And that's another thing is if you're really immersed in this stuff, you pick up on all these things with like the body language and the cadence in his voice and like what he says that you don't really get if you don't watch it every night. So a lot of people were saying, you know, it's the same face he does every time whenever the camera would go to Tucker and like he just looks dumbfounded. It's not the same face. It is not the same Tucker face from like the live Tucker reaction box. There is something different in his body language. And I hate that I can tell that. But it's there. It's it's not the same. Um. So having that experience, if you watch Tucker critically every single night, you definitely get the vibes. There were rancid vibes last night.
1: Yeah. Was it was there anything about the actual contents of the interview that jumped out at you? I mean, certainly the questions that Tucker asked were not very hard hitting, um, but anything that Trump said that struck you as if not newsworthy, at least notable.
0: Uh, the only thing really would be that um, Tucker asked Trump if there was anything, if he were convicted, that would cause him to drop out of the race. And Trump said nothing. There's nothing that anyone could do to make him drop out of the race.
1: Yeah. And and he has said that uh, a few different times. Um, the one thing that jumped out to me, well, there were a few actually, but um, I thought that it was more clear than ever. I mean, not that this is really news that. Trump is basically rooting for Russia in in Russia's war against Ukraine. Um, He went out of his way to mention at one point that Russia might still take over all of Ukraine. And then there was one really fascinating aside, which I'm guessing you probably picked up on as well, where Trump said something to Tucker. uh, You know, Trump was basically doing his usual anti-anti-Putin rant. And he said something to Tucker along the lines of, I know where you stand on this as well, you know, kind of implying that they're fellow travelers and they're anti-anti-Putinism which I guess in especially Tucker's case at times has veered into outright pro-Putinism. But I thought the the comments on the war in Ukraine were quite interesting. And other than that, I mean, I guess, as you kind of alluded to, um, this was perhaps even softer than a Hannity interview. So there's always kind of little bits in the Trump rants. Um, he led the interview by talking about his arraignment in Manhattan. And of course, we got a Sir story with tears. Um, it was the, you know, the... Um, Um, kind of the shot chaser of not only a surf story, but also people crying where he was saying that the jail workers who processed him ahead of his arraignment were bawling as he was processed because they were so sad over it. So um, those were a few highlights for me, at least. Anything else jump out to you that we should at least touch upon before we move on?
0: Um, I really liked when Trump made Tucker apologize for insulting Kim Jong-un in 2019. (laughs) And he was like, you know, you insulted him, which made things difficult for me. So Tucker had to say sorry. And then he just kept going. And he was like, um, that must have been an incredible, the most incredible experience of your life. And Tucker oh, had to right. be like, sure.
1: Yes, because <laughs> to back up, when Trump went to North Korea, or at least the DMZ area, and I, th- I believe he briefly stepped over into North Korea, which I've actually um, been up there to the DMZ, and they do have, buildings right on the border that are kind of shared between the two countries. And so depending on the day that you're there, technically you are in North Korean territory for in, you know, some of these areas right on the border. And so when Trump did this trip up there to do his, you know, handshake with Kim Jong-un, Tucker Carlson went with him, which I had forgotten, you know, that's one of those things when you, when you um, metabolize this much Fox news and Trump world stuff, um, it can be kind of in your brain, out your brain. Cause you know, your brain only has so much storage space. And I had forgotten that, during that trip in 2019, Tucker Carlson was like right there with Trump as he's meeting with Kim Jong Un, which was so random. Um, that was before you were covering Tucker. I'm trying to remember if he he didn't do any like broadcasts on that trip, I don't think. Um, but he was there and Trump reminded him of that.
0: Yeah, I, I can't remember specifically, but I remember that he was there, <laughs> but I was not at Media Matters at that time. I'm sure I'd have much more detailed, very weird stories about it.
1: Sure. Well, let's talk a little bit about, um, you and kind of blowing up as you have in the past few months, um, was becoming a TikTok sensation on your 2023 bingo card?
0: No, no, yeah. it's really weird. Cause I don't even use TikTok as like a consumer. Um, so it's been very interesting and I can't believe people want to listen to my little rants about Fox.
1: Yeah. And so how did the idea for the, I, I believe initially you were doing kind of the five stories you may have missed, which, um, your shift, just to kind of back up a step here, is a you know nighttime shift. So you're basically covering um like the five through Laura. Is that correct?
0: Yeah. And yeah, sometimes s- gut occasionally.
1: And then so occasionally you are incorporating um a lot of your your video content does cover those primetime shows, but you're also dipping into the day side stuff a little bit as well. I mean, sometimes there can be gems for you in terms of absurd Fox stuff that happens on Outnumbered or Outnumbered Overtime, which are the Harris Faulkner shows, Um, you know, the other content outside of Fox and Friends tends to be more of the quote unquote news side um, stuff, which is a little more straightforward than like the primetime commentary or even like the five is. But how are you metabolizing that much Fox News? I mean, I know you're obviously watching the primetime stuff, but are you just kind of picking up on clips here and there from the daytime stuff and then going back and grabbing those clips, you're, you know, on your own, if you need them for your TikToks.
0: Yeah, mostly. I mean, our day shift does a great job of, you know, monitoring everything happening during the daytime. So sometimes it's, you know, a coworker put something on Twitter and I'm like, wow, that's nuts. I want to put that in there or it goes on our website um, or I'm looking through, you know, what's been flagged in our internal channels and think, Hey, that would make a fun thing to talk about. Um, but the great thing about being at Media Matters is you have all this infrastructure and these great people that you're working with that support all sides of the equation, whether you're working on Alex Jones or the Spanish language part or you know Night Shift, uh, you can get resources anywhere.
1: And is, so are the TikToks that you do, is that kind of a Media Matters product or is that something you're doing on your own?
0: No, my TikToks are completely my personal account. All of my social media accounts are personal accounts not associated with uh, media matters my employer's views nothing
1: yeah cuz does media matters have a uh, yeah yeah well that's that's a disclaimer um i guess these days i don't have to do that because i don't have an employer but um certainly when i was at vox um there were times where i had to specify that my views were my own but um i would just want to ask you i don't know how of interest this is going to be to kind of the broader listeners and viewers of this podcast but myself as someone who works in the video space a little bit I am really impressed with the production value of your TikToks because um not only are you doing kind of commentary to a camera and you're um splicing your commentary where you're doing kind of like sound bites so there's editing that goes into that but then on top of that you're incorporating graphics you're incorporating video clips um so just give me like kind of a 30,000 foot view on how you're producing these how time consuming it is because um you know, I do kind of minimally produce videos at times where I'm doing, you know, like frames with chirons or, um, you know, cross dissolves, things like that. Um, I'm very basic. Um, I'm not a video producer, but even just doing very basic production can be time consuming. I'm guessing for you, it's gotten more efficient as you go because you're doing more and more TikToks, which we'll get into. You're not just doing the weekly recaps, but you're doing more kind of like PSA style TikToks, um, you know, just news commentary. But, you know, what what does it look like for you to produce one of these videos?
0: Well, before I did these for like the, since 2020, I guess at Media Matters, I was making, you know, super cuts and videos about the week, but nothing on camera. I've been video editing since I was a kid. It's just like a hobby. And then Media Matters offered to get me a premiere subscription. So I'd have to keep making fake emails for free trials. Um, and then when I decided to do the on-cam stuff this year, I'm still figuring how to balance everything. Um, I basically don't have a personal life right now. Um, (laughs) But like for the weekly recaps, for example, throughout the week, I have, you know, a file for that week of different clips that I see. Cause I do one that's like a longer supercut that goes on Twitter and my YouTube. And then I have the TikTok version that's just like five ridiculous stories. And so I get those clips. Usually a lot of them I happen to do on Thursday because there's a lot of stuff happening during the week. And Mm -hmm. then I wake up at like 6 a.m. on Friday, put all my clips in, move all of my furniture out of the way, film it on my phone, usually like two or three takes, depending on how tired I am. And then uh, after that, I just plug it in Premiere. And I have a lot of people ask why my TikToks look so smooth. And it's because I don't use the TikTok app. The TikTok app is not good. Don't use it um, for editing. And you can get a lot smoother cuts and a lot closer things. You can really make a good use of your time if you just do it in Premiere and shave off, you know, two seconds here, two seconds there.
1: Hmm. What are your thoughts on um this conversation that's been a big part of our politics in recent months about banning TikTok? Um you are obviously um you have a significant presence on there. You have over a 100,000 TikTok uh followers. I have never really been on TikTok aside from watching TikTok videos, which um I guess betrays my um je- I'm I'm elder millennial I guess at this point. Um Uh, Maybe I should get on there with the implosion of Twitter. It seems like we all need as many life rafts as we can get. But what are are your thoughts? I mean, do you think that there is actually some merit to this idea that TikTok is harmful? I guess my kind of default view on it has been that all social media has harmful aspects. I don't know if we want to get too heavy handed with the government, you know, and in some cases, politicians who very clearly have a political agenda um, and want to look very tough on China starting to ban platforms. Um, What are your thoughts on that?
0: Yeah, I mean, I think that there's a lot of just like, oh, this is an easy target for attacking China. Um, Whether it's valid or not, you know, that's up for debate for other people. I think that it's a very um, important part of free speech, especially with American youth today. Whoever bans TikTok, if they ever do it, is going to lose the Gen Z vote forever. That's just what's going to happen. Um, I do think, you know, there's, there are harms with every social media, but I can't imagine being in a high school and having TikTok and like having that be a hobby. That just sounds Mm. so stressful. I look at these filters and stuff like that. Um, I mean, I think there is, you know, measurable harm with everything. I don't know what the solution is there. I just know that, you know, these kids are going through it, but at the same time, they're learning a lot of things that they wouldn't have access to, especially as, states ban books and different types of education um so you know just like everything it's a mixed bag with all social media Mm. and uh if you're going to talk about the nanny state then maybe you shouldn't ban an app people like to use
1: yeah and i mean because you're quite natural at being on camera like that i'm sure it's still kind of stressful and time consuming um but um i do think there is this isn't any reason to ban the platform but there is something kind of Odd to me, at least. And maybe this is just, again, me being in more of a Twitter generation where I'm used to expressing thoughts via text. Um, You know, just being on camera constantly, I think would be kind of exhausting. But that, again, is not any reason to ban a platform. I guess that's just, you know, it it says something about what it takes to be like a power user on there.
0: I mean, it's doubly exhausting for like me and a lot of other women because I mean, I get up and I have worn more makeup in the last three months than I have in my entire life because, you know, my tripod is like, a few feet away from me so you look weird unless you have you know noticeable eyeliner and solid foundation so it takes a while to get ready in the morning before I do a video because I know with every single video I'm going to be under a microscope with you know right wingers that are attacking everything they can so that's honestly one of the most time-consuming parts I had to prep my hair the night before whether it's like braiding it or blow drying it or whatever it is um and I have to put on makeup, and I have to pick out my clothes. Sometimes I do like two different takes with two different outfits. Uh, wow. And I know plenty of other women that have the same situation.
1: Yeah, yeah. I mean, I clearly do not have that situation going on camera here. I put a T-shirt on, and um, that's one good thing. I, I started shaving my head during COVID because I didn't want, you know, in the early days to go to a barbershop. shop, and um, I just keep doing it. So makes it easy uh, for things like this. But you know, I have noticed in looking at some of the feedback to your videos that is overwhelmingly positive. Um, I'm sure there are people who are trolling you or, you know, um, calling you a Marxist or, you know, the the types of things that any progressive gets kind of working in the online space. But, you know, what, what has been kind of your, is that consistent with your experience as well, that you're getting a lot of positive feedback? And then I've also noticed that, you know, a lot of people who comment on your videos don't seem to be heavy Fox News viewers. And so I think in a lot of instances, you're kind of opening people's eyes to the fact that the top rated cable news network is um, basically brain poison. But what's that been like for you? You find it kind of validating that you're getting a lot of, you know, positive reinforcement people who are valuing your videos, or maybe I'm just not seeing the the negative comments.
0: No, I mean, that's a big thing and it's super, it makes my day when people say, you know, I showed these videos to to my parents and now they're like a little bit suspect of Sean Hannity or Tucker Carlson. And that, that makes my day because that's the goal is to bring this information because I think it's important. It's the most watched cable news channel in the country. Um, and, you know, the feedback is overwhelmingly positive. I get a lot of great comments. I get a lot of great discussion in my replies. Um because of algorithms y'all don't see the hate as much it's still a tiny percentage of what i get but you know it's very aggressive because they're right wingers it shows me i'm doing something right um but some days like you know i don't send a ton of rape threats to my dms or whatever and it's just like you'll get a life um, yeah but over overall it's very positive and it's nice to see people also um defending other people in their replies, not just me, but when like right wingers come in and try to spam replies to see people push back against that and say, hey, this is incorrect. Or, you know, like, why did you say that? It's nice to see.
1: Have you heard from anyone at Fox directly about your videos or, you know, people who send you tips about things? Um, You know, I've I've had a couple sources over the years who are Fox employees who um, will kind of, you know, if they have an Instagram with colleagues will send me little clips or suggest that I pull certain segments, things like that. I mean, is that anything you've experienced as well or um, do they kind of leave you alone? I mean, obviously you've got to be on the radar to some extent, just given the visibility that your videos have.
0: Yeah. I mean, I sometimes have people like quote tweet. uh, They're always like, you know, these Fox side characters that you don't really know unless you watch a lot of Fox. Um, And I've had some people retweet things because they think I'm saying something good and then they just get dunked on in their replies. Uh, but no, I haven't really interacted with a lot of people at Fox.
1: Sure. Um, just to get into Fox a little bit deeper. Um, I've noticed in watching, you know, going back and watching a few of your videos and prepping for today, especially the weekly recap ones that in addition to seeing a lot of Tucker Carlson, it seems like you are clipping pretty heavily from the five and Jesse waters as well. But in terms of like comparing the various hosts and shows, um, what has this exercise in doing kind of weekly recaps of Fox News absurdity taught you in terms of are there any specific hosts that really pop as being leading purveyors of, of ridiculousness on Fox, or is it kind of spread evenly between the shows?
0: I'd say Tucker and Jesse have the strongest ones. Um, Jason Whitlock's a pretty good bet when he goes on Tucker's show. Um, if Kill guest hosting, you will hear some of the dumbest things you've ever heard in your life. Same with Will Kane and Pete Exeth. Um, but I do have to say, like for Night Shift, we all have hosts that we do not want to watch. So I've developed a Can I tolerance. guess yours?
1: Can I guess yours? Because yeah. I is it Hannity? No. Oh, it's not Hannity. Because I, no. I feel like he doesn't appear that often in your in your videos. So that'd be my no, guess. No, it's uh, so. it's
0: Jesse. The only reason okay. that Hannity doesn't show up in my videos is because he can't finish a sentence. He just keeps a different sentence halfway through. Like he starts new ones, and so it doesn't make sense for like a video format because he sure. lose people because it's like what what the hell are you saying, man? Yeah. Um, no, I used to be on Hannity in 2020. He's annoying, but like he's stupid. But Jesse Waters, just for some reason, there's something there that I'm like, I can't I can't stand him. I would rather watch Tucker Hannity and Laura in a row than watch Jesse's whole show.
1: Yeah. Well, he there's a lot of casual misogyny baked into his show in my experience, and um, his show just kind of leaves you feeling slimy and bad i mean it's kind of for frat boys it feels like um so i i get that for sure and with hannity it just seems like he basically does the same show every night um with slight variations so i can see how that could be kind of demoralizing having to watch that over and over and you're right also yeah go ahead
0: it feels like he's like a -a make-a-wish kid for fox like they just (laughs) let him keep his show because he wants it so bad um i don't understand why he still has that time slot
1: How are his? You know, I know this isn't necessarily a part of your job, but you know, Tucker is still kind of dominant in his time slot, right? I I did see that Maddow beat him just a few nights ago, which was news because that doesn't happen that often. Hannity, you know, and correct me again if I'm wrong here, but his ratings have been sagging a little bit, which I think is probably part of the reason they're doing that studio audience thing now, which is deeply weird. But um, you know, am I right on that? That you know, he's kind of he's doing okay, but not great, and you know, maybe that studio audience thing is kind of a attempt to inject some life into his show, because yeah, to me, it just seems like kind of the same thing, same guests, same rants over and over and over again.
0: Yeah. I mean, he's the old guard and it's very obvious. Uh, We actually have a whole article. I forgot who wrote it at media matters talking about Hannity. Uh, He used to be the King of Fox and now he's just a relic. Um, You know, Tucker overtook him almost instantly. And five is now the five and Tucker are neck and neck for the first Mm. top spot every week. Um, and then you have Jesse who came in and for some reason, people like that. And Hannity's just been doing the same shtick, saying the same things. I'm pretty sure everyone on my team can create a 20-minute Hannity monologue, like total improv. because He just says <laughs> the same things every single time.
1: That'd be a fun. Uh, being at a Media Matters party would be fun <laughs> because, uh, yeah, you could do impersonations all night. Um, there's a certain irony in you being known now as like this big time progressive on social media, because when we talked to you for the newsletter back in January, something that I did not know about you is that you mentioned that you grew up in the South as a Republican. So tell me a little bit about your journey from, you know, obviously, when you're a kid, um, you don't always have the strongest political convictions. I'm assuming probably your family had something to do with that. But just tell me about your journey from being in the South, being Republican to coming to D.C. and being very progressive these days.
0: Yeah. I mean, once again, my views are completely my own for candidates, political stuff, anything that's all me, not my employer. Um, I grew up with my grandmother who was basically a GOP operative. She was the head of the yeah. Texas Republican women's. Uh, whenever we you know, get lunch together, she'd always talk to me about like how socialism was bad. And I've always been interested in politics since I was a little kid. And so I just ate that up and I've always been pretty much just as outspoken as now. And so- I would try to convince my friends on the playground to like be Republicans and like vote Bush and all these things, which in like the, you know, elementary school election. Um, And so I wanted to have those convictions because this matriarch of our family, had essentially imprinted that on everyone in the family. And in like 2011, I guess, 2010, 2011, like the dawn of Tumblr, when it was the wild west out there, I went on there and, you know, that was a fun time, but I met a lot of people with different points of views i had never heard. And so that was like the seed. And then we moved to Tucson halfway through high school. And, um, pretty much I'd say half, at least of my high school was low income and or undocumented. And I had just never been exposed to that ever. Hmm. Um, and it just shattered that like bootstrap myth in my head, having friends that, I knew and loved and thought they were some of the smartest people I've ever known, not be able to go to college because they had to stay home and help their family or they can't even afford it with the financial aid. Um, And that just that kind of shattered everything. And Trump didn't help. That was just like a nice push out the door. But from, you know, when I was like 11 till then, it was basically me trying to reckon this conservative upbringing because I didn't want to admit that I was wrong. That's always hard when you're trying to reevaluate your political beliefs. I'm always amazed at older people who do this. Like my mother's done that to be able to objectively look at that. And I've always been trying to reckon that with, you know, being a staunch feminist and all of these things. And then finally I realized I don't have to do that. I can just realize this is wrong and I want people to get the help they need. And that's not a bad thing.
1: Yeah. Was your family watching Fox when you were a kid?
0: My parents watched like everything. Um, Yeah. But you know, Fox was growing up in Texas, Fox was on in public all the time, like that's mm. what you turn on. Um,
1: so was there kind of a a light bulb moment for you when you realized that Fox is propaganda? I mean, again, I don't know how much it was a part of your childhood in terms of being on at home, that sort of thing, but um just yeah it was that kind of a gradual realization that there's a little bit more going on here than presenting the news or was there like a specific you were watching a you know tuned into a show and it kind of hits you that you know this isn't on the level
0: yeah i mean i wasn't really watching a lot of fox then honestly we watched cnn a lot growing up even though we were a conservative family hmm. um and my mom has always been pretty moderate um and you know we we're very accepting, but you still had this label that you had on there. I'm not sure if you saw a picture on my Twitter of my laptop with like the GOP elephant with the bow and the pearls.
1: No, I um, didn't see this.
0: Yeah. I was like, so proud of this girl <laughs> for becoming a media matters hack five years later to picture me in high school.
1: Oh um, my goodness. <laughs> there was only five. Yeah. So that was, so you were, I was, you were he, a Trump supporter yeah. then.
0: No, no. Was, oh, okay. So I guess it was, maybe it was 16. Okay. So like seven or eight years later, I think, okay, sure. um, Because I was fully in for Hillary. But I wrote a a thing in my yearbook about how Romney's the future of the Republican Party. I'm actually blushing saying this. Yeah, kill me. Um, (laughs) (laughs) But uh, there was like no real realization. It was just slowly being like, oh... Oh, and I've always been a really good debater. I was, you know, in speech and debate and want a lot of stuff. And so I'd be able to convince people that these things were right, but they weren't. And like, I want to go back in time and just shake me in class and be like, stop it. Uh, it's okay. You can just want to help people and not make an excuse for it. You don't need yeah. to say, oh, it's because I'm a private citizen, which is an actual argument I made. Oh my God. Some people just Everyone deserves to have rights and have a house and have medical care. It's fine. Right.
1: It's wild that that's even a political statement these days. I know. But, I know. know. Like such is the state of our politics. Ridiculous. Um, yeah, kind of spinning off that, um, you've started doing videos on different topics that aren't just directly recapping Fox News. I mean, you had one that I thought was pretty fascinating about things that people can do to fight back against Fox and um, you shouted out in that a, a number of organizations specifically, but the, the thrust of it was basically, you know, that there are things you can do in terms of contacting Fox advertisers to put pressure on them, not just to break with Tucker Carlson, but with other programming on the show, if they're still advertising on other programming and um, the other was um, contacting advertisers. There was another, there was another specific kind of, Yes, that's right. The subscriber fees on. So your cable provider is obviously um, charging you, you know, they're, they're they're being charged to carry Fox. And so asking them to drop Fox as part of their programming packages um, is another way um, to actually do something besides just kind of criticize Fox. Um, put these videos out there highlighting the absurdity. I mean, there are things that people can do. To push back. Um, But, you know, at the same time, media matters for years and years, probably before you were even there. I mean, remember back in 2017, 18, when they would do campaigns against Tucker advertisers, there was a big campaign, if I'm recalling correctly, against Ingram advertisers after her comments about shut up and dribble, um, which she said, you know, when LeBron James had expressed some sort of political viewpoint that I think was basically anti-racism um and it doesn't really you know these shows are still on the air obviously so i guess you know what is your like uh, how viable do you think campaigns like that are is it just sort of you know with in your mind a sense of this is the one thing that people can do regardless of how um successful it may end up being or do you really think that you know these campaigns which may not have had success in the past if there's enough buy in enough awareness about what people can do um especially on the consumer front that they could force some change or at least, you know, some shred of accountability um, from Fox executives?
0: I mean, I included advertisers in there because that's like the easiest thing in terms of public shaming. But Media Matters advertise like campaigns against Fox advertisers have been wildly successful. Mm-hmm. Here's the thing, though. Fox could lose all of its advertisers and still come out wildly profitable because of subscriber fees. They had the highest subscriber fee after ESPN. Hmm. So that's the big thing is talking to cable providers, making it an add on like HBO or stars. And I think with enough pressure saying you're going to drop cable unless Fox is an add on. Hmm. I think that's the most viable way to get Fox to cut back on its misinformation or at least limit Fox's exposure um, and the way that it can just survive off of your dollars, even if you hate it.
1: So when you say that Fox would be an add-on, is the idea there that basically consumers could opt in and like pay a little extra to get Fox? Would that be kind of how that model would work?
0: Right. You could pay the more than $20 a year that you're already paying if you want to keep it, or you could keep that and buy like, you know, three lattes or something or depending on where you live.
1: Yeah. Because I mean, and I guess when when you say that um, the campaigns against Tucker have been successful, um there have been a number of advertisers who have severed ties with him um have some of them come back over the years though i mean i i I can imagine a situation where some of these advertisers if they're under pressure back away but then when the heat cools down a little bit they come back um is that something that media matters tracks
0: um i can't think of a specific one you'd probably have to ask um some other people on our team but the advertisers now i mean it's basically just like erectile dysfunction drugs my pillow and then weird ads for Facebook groups. Um, it's gotten really weird over the last couple of years. and but yeah.
1: uh, so with Tucker, it's more of a the advertising revenue for him um obviously matters, but when his ratings are as strong as they are, is there kind of a sense, do you think among Fox executives that it's worth it to have him on TV, you know even if the ads he has to sell are kind of these lowbrow ads just because of the the audience that he's tapping into?
0: Oh, yeah, absolutely. And it keeps people on for Hannity or Laura puts people on Jesse's show. Um, And also, he's the face of their streaming service, Fox Nation, Mm -hmm. and he has two shows on there. So it doesn't really matter if he's not getting advertisers because he's bringing people to Fox in general.
1: Yeah. So and so then does that lead you to the conclusion that maybe the most effective way to go is more of the pressuring cable companies instead of advertisers or more, more of an all of the above approach. Do you think?
0: I mean, there's a lot of work that can be done with advertisers, but a lot of it's already been done. Um, Mm. I highly recommend people drop their cable service unless they're allowed to opt out of Fox.
1: Hmm. Um, just with the last couple of minutes we have left, I'm curious what is in store for you as we go forward, especially with your TikTok videos. Um, It seems like they are, when I say TikTok videos, obviously they're on Twitter as well. Um, They are kind of like shot in a way for TikTok, but you repost them. So you can find them on Twitter too, even if you're not on TikTok. But what are you hoping to kind of branch out into going forward? I mean, is it something that's just kind of unfolding organically for you in terms of, um, you know, you've kind of dipped your toes into doing political commentary a little bit, doing more PSA style stuff like we just talked about with what people can do to fight back against Fox? Or are you kind of planning specific content um, as we go forward this year?
0: Um, I'm having a lot of fun doing longer form content on YouTube. Uh, That's been a blast to do. So I have a lot of stuff in the works for there. Um, I've got a fun explainer, fun used very liberally, um, about white Christian nationalism that'll probably be out in the next two weeks. Um, But that's been really fun to be able to just like talk and do a deep dive into something and have... All of that right there. A good explainer that you can point to if someone needs it. Like the Mike Huckabee one I did.
1: I was just going to, yeah, just to touch upon one specific one. You have done a multi-part explainer on these Mike Huckabee ads. Um, So just with the couple minutes we have left, kind of briefly explain what these ads are and how you unpack them in your videos.
0: Uh, The Mike Huckabee Kids Guide is an ad that goes on Fox a lot. And usually right after they talk about like liberal indoctrination and it's actual indoctrination. So the ones that I've covered are like the kid's guide to cancel culture and free speech, the kid's guide to race in America, the kid's guide to President Trump. Um, there are a lot of kid's guides and they're all horrible. I mean, the kid's guide to fighting socialism literally just has a page that says capitalism, good socialism, bad on it. Just yeah. right out there. It just goes for it. Um
1: well, is and, it isn't the idea that these are free, but, they but they're not some... free. Yeah, yeah. Oh,
0: I need to cancel the ones for the new one. I just thank you for the reminder because <laughs> um, I got three others this month. They're not free. It says they're free, but you pay a dollar actually for shipping and handling. And then you pay a second dollar for a second patriotic children's magazine that Mike Huckabee has. And then if you forget to cancel, you have to pay him $10 per kid's guide. Um, no, sorry, 20, I think per kid's guide per month. Wow. And also they try to get you to like, get another thing and you think it's free, but then they charge you $10. I've given Mike Huckabee like $30 at this point and oh I'm no. really mad about it.
1: Well, at least maybe, well, I guess these are for your, your personal TikToks as well. So you can't even, you know, ask Media Matters to cover that for you.
0: Yeah. It's Mike Huckabee hates me. He's banned bane of my existence at this point. <laughs> I see him when I close my eyes.
1: Yeah. And you know, these are the ads that run on America's most watched cable network. So, um, And it's only you know, a matter
0: of time yeah. before we see them in Arkansas schools. So,
1: Wow. Yeah, well on that note, uh Cat, thank you so much for joining. I really appreciate your time and if people do want to follow you, I know that your um I'm guessing most listeners know who you are, but your pin tweet kind of can direct it directs people to all of your different platforms and what is your handle on Twitter?
0: Abu Ghazali Cat. I know it's a pain in the ass to type, but it makes people learn how to spell it.
1: Yeah, and I think I think if you enter Cat Abu into the search bar, it will It'll pull pop up, up. Your, yeah, yeah. So thanks again. Really appreciate it. Thank you so much. That does it for today's episode of The Aaron Rupar Show. Please subscribe to the show wherever you get your podcasts and also follow me on YouTube to watch the footage of the show each week. You can find me there at The Aaron Rupar Show. New episodes drop every Wednesday. So be sure to check out your feeds each week for a new installment of the show. And thanks for listening.